This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever. Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love. Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to amazon.com backslash Purina. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Laura McGibbon. If you Google what is a narcissist, there are over 128,000 plus results. It's a hot topic today. Plus, sometimes the term is bantered about loosely without people really understanding the meaning. Narcissists are self-centered, egotistical, and they are manipulative, and they love, love, love control. And at some point in your life, you may have encountered a narcissist without even realizing it, such as a boss or a coworker. Knowing the signs to watch out for and how to deal with one can make life a great deal easier. Dr. Sanam Hafziz is a New York City neuropsychologist and the director of Comprehend the Mind. She's joining the show today to address the many complex issues related to this personality type and what you can do if or when you encounter one. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Sanam. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me on. Okay, so can you introduce yourself and tell us why narcissism has been a focus of area of your work and maybe even specifically, why did narcissism become so popular with your work? So my name is Dr. Sanam Hafiz. I'm a neuropsychologist. I'm also a clinical psychologist. And my practice primarily focuses on assessments and evaluations. But for the last decade or so, I've also been doing a lot of media work, print work, online work, you know, just in the evolving world of social media, it's impossible not to be part of it. And once someone like me gets out there and starts talking about all kinds of different things, it turns out that everyone wants to know about all kinds of different things. And then you become (laughs) an expert in everything. You know, I'm really a neuropsychologist. I do, my practice does standardized testing, but because my background is so clinical and because I'm good at this, but I also like this very much. It's impossible for me to stay away from things that are plaguing the society, you know, anywhere from screen time to adult ADHD or women with ADHD and depression and how it differs from bipolar disorder and personality disorders like a borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. We swing a lot of these words around and people don't know the weight of them and they don't understand what they mean clinically and how important it is not to just loosely use these words. So 
you know, narcissism is one of them. It's a very, you know, even from the old, the story of narcissists, you know, from how it evolved, you know, how this guy looked into the water and saw his image and fell in because he was so gorgeous, you know. I mean, it's a fascinating ideology or genesis of something that is not very pretty, actually. What is it about that personality type or that people get so... I guess, confused by, but also sort of obsessed with. Because I feel like people love to throw around the word narcissist. And I don't know if it's just because it's fun to say or what. Well, yeah, people really like to throw the word narcissist around. And it's infuriating, honestly, even in personal life when I hear it, because if you don't like someone, it's so easy to call them narcissistic. If someone, I feel like, you know, and this is not popular opinion, but if someone is successful or someone is confident, especially if it's a woman, so easy to just call them narcissistic. And I don't like that. Just like if someone is maybe impassioned or may have a legitimate valid reason to be upset or gets, you know, has gripes with you. Oh, you're so bipolar. These things yeah. really, really irritate me because as a clinician, you know, they carry so much weight. And I, as a clinician, I'm like, Hey, first of all, you are so off. You know, I also people who call people antisocial, antisocial personality disorder is actually specifically for people who are criminals Asocial means that you are not the most social person. Antisocial means that you are, you know, prone to illegal, violent acts, not the same thing. So, you know, there are upsides to media, there are downsides to media. And the downside is that things become part of our regular day-to-day vernacular without people realizing what they really mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about specifically Instagram must be so annoying for you sometimes because everyone's an expert on there. And then of course they're throwing out terms. So like, not only do you have this clinical background, you're an actual doctor, but then, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyone can say anything and to your point, it's not even correct. And it yeah. can be causing a lot of damage, right? Yeah. I mean, I look, I like, if, if I had to choose my social media poison of choice, it's Instagram. I like it very much. <laughs> And I barely have any real following, you know, and I I get irritated sometimes because people will send me links or I'll see people talking very emphatically about things they should know nothing about. But the problem is they have this huge following and I'm thinking, oh my God, the misinformation you're putting out there. And I'm sure there are other doctors and experts who feel the same way. I always feel that if you have the time to have a really active social media account, that means you're probably doing very little clinically in the real world. <laughs> I am so busy that it takes me forever to post something and it usually involves my twins. <laughs> yeah. To show, you know, I wish I could put on pretty clothes and, and pose in front of things and post it with like a, uh, you know, a, a deep, profound message. <laughs> but I don't get to do that. Because I know I'm too busy actually working and doing a lot of fun things. And it's, I'm not hating on people who are doing it. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and people should really take it with a grain of salt. I am also happy that there is an awareness of things that wasn't around even a decade ago. You know, I've had mm-hmm. lots of people looking for autism evaluations, women coming in with, look, I think I've always had ADHD and I was never detected, which is a whole other thing, or people with bipolar disorder, you know. And it's a good thing also. So I can't say that social media hasn't been a boon for the rest of us in the Mm -hmm. health field. You know, mental health is getting, having its day in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. Primarily because of social media. Yeah, I I was going to say, I completely agree with that. And I also think that, you know, you bring your quote unquote human to work. And that means that the stuff that you're seeing clinically can also show up in the workplace. So I know we're talking specifically about narcissism. To your earlier point that, you know, when someone maybe has an issue, it's very easy to be like, oh, my boss is a narcissist or my coworker. But let's talk about a little bit of like what 
how do you recognize narcissism in the workplace? Like, and how would it be affecting you if it was truly narcissism? So first of all, it's easy for bosses and supervisors to appear narcissistic, you know, because that's how they got the job by focusing on their own self-growth. They got the job by, or they became successful. And I'm not saying you need to be a narcissist to be successful, right? But you have to have some level of a degree of control and an inward focus and be very structured and direct. And sometimes, especially when it's women, I think that can come across as narcissistic. You know, men do it. They're seen as good leaders, seen as assertive. Women do it. They're seen as bitchy. They're seen as aggressive. So this is a new, we've all had, you know, seen this throughout our lives. We get to see it. And even in media, you know, like I will not hear one bad word about Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, no, she is perfect. You know, whether she is or not, she was a man, we'd be like, building statues in her honor, you know, but just because she's a woman and she's of a certain age, she's a man eater. She's this, she's that, you know? So I I think that when your supervisor, your boss, someone in charge comes across as narcissistic, I think you should really ask yourself if the, the quality is truly narcissistic, right? A narcissist will usurp your time with things that don't have to do with your job. They will not respect your boundaries. They'll call you After 5 p.m., they'll text you on Saturdays and Sundays. They won't respect your free time. But if this person is also spending all this time at work themselves, and the only question they have is about work, then are they truly narcissistic? Or are they just people who have to learn boundaries about being better bosses or better managers, right? The Career Contessa podcast is supported by our friends at Dropbox. Over the past few years, we've tackled a lot of topics on our podcast about the changing world of work. Many people, our team included, transitioned into working fully remote. With that came a lot of bumps in the road. There wasn't a manual or a playbook. We just had to kind of wing it. But now there's Remotely Curious. Remotely Curious is a new podcast that asks all the questions about hybrid, remote, or as Dropbox calls it, virtual first work. Host Tiffany Jones-Brown gets right to the heart of some of the biggest challenges we're facing with the help of experts, psychologists, scientists, authors, and more. Hear from a rituals designer on how to make the workday feel more human or a friendship scientist on how to stay connected to your besties at work, even when you're apart. Tiffany even tackles tricky topics like how to manage Zoom dysmorphia and how to handle workplace inequalities. Whether you're working from home or you're commuting twice a week, Remotely Curious offers new ideas, expert advice, and relatable stories. Find, follow, and listen to Remotely Curious wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy, and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. It just means that these are people who care about the company or they care about the job and they want, they want a job well done. Is it likely that they maybe need to get a life? Maybe. Is it likely that they may be anxiety provoked people, people who are very easily triggered or are obsessive, compulsive or perfectionistic? Yes. You know, I don't think that the majority of the time when people do this, they're going out of their way to make your life miserable. They just don't realize that not everyone's like them. 
and that we have work parameters for a reason. You know, the thing mm-hmm. that happened from working from home in part is that we've kind of blurred these boundaries. No one leaves at 5 p.m. anymore, right? People work well into evenings. I mean, people think working from home is so great. It's really not in many ways. Yes, in some ways, yes. I, you know, I'm able to sit in a really lovely place right now in the Catskills and have this conversation with you. I don't think I did this before the pandemic happened. I used to go into studios. I rarely got on a Zoom call at that. And I'm I'm happy that I'm able to reach so many, so many more people whilst still living life, you know, being able to be with my kids or, but I find myself, I feel like working around the clock because I'm a business owner and I'm a practitioner and I have employees and, you know, but I'm very, very careful. I think I'm a good girl boss, you know, in the sense that, I primarily have women in my employee. I have some men and I'm very respectful of their boundaries. I don't call them after five. I don't ever text them, you know, on weekends. I am very, I think it's maybe a personality thing. I'm very careful about always making a request using pleases and thank yous. And I am appalled at the people who bark orders at people. So that's, you know, that's part of the thing. But, you know, I am driven. I am perfectionistic. I care about my patients. I care about the quality of the work that we put out there. Should that make me a narcissist if I were to call these people? No, you know, it just makes me a good worker, someone you'd want on your team, someone you'd want to come see or bring your child to or come, you know, have an evaluation done or listen to on a podcast. (laughs) You know, so I think people have to really evaluate if they're being unfair to these managers and supervisors and bosses. And the other thing is I'm fond of saying that narcissists don't happen to you. You happen to a narcissist. You know, if there's a true narcissist in your midst, it's likely that it's someone that you've known for a long time. You know, you can't really say that about someone who's been on the job like two weeks or even two months. It takes, there's a pattern. That's the thing about narcissism or any personality disorder. It's a pattern of behavior that's cemented and solidified over years and years of practice. You know, this is why you don't see children who are narcissists, right? But you might have a child. You might see a child who's being raised by a narcissist. What's the pattern that you would recognize? So like, let's say you are, you have worked five plus years in the same workplace and you've had the same boss and manager. So like you could have, let's say realistically, if there was a pattern established, like you've been there long enough to have it, what would that look like? Someone who is toxic to you, someone who's toxic to your work life, to your personal life, someone who isn't just talking about work. And I don't mean that people can't be friendly with you, but someone who walks in on Monday and only talks about their weekend, only talks about their problems. And when you look like you're losing interest, you know, they might love bomb you or attend, like bring in, I don't know, donuts or coffee or say, let me take you out to lunch. You look like you're having a bad day. And it's only to reel you back in. You know, narcissists by nature can be very charming, very successful, very good looking. Not always, obviously, not all those things all at the same time, but they usually have a quality that sets them apart from other people. And even if it's not an overt personality or an overt characteristic, they usually have very charming inner personalities. They know how to woo you. They have the gift of gab. And when they feel like you're slipping away, they'll do something dramatic to get you back, you know? And the only reason someone can really be a narcissist in the workplace is someone who gets into your personal life. You know, someone that you might accidentally date (laughs) and don't mean to end up having sex with, end up spending too much time outside of work. So you're letting them into your personal life or you're oversharing your personal life with them. And then they will use that information to kind of get in. Narcissists often find people who are in distress, who have low self-esteem, low poor confidence, and they they prey on that. They prey on those weaknesses. And that's how they gain your trust. 
And then mm-hmm. it becomes like a little game of good cop, bad cop. You know, they're, they're two people all in one and you can't decide if you hate them or love them or if you need them. And the going and coming, you know, their attention can become addictive. You know, they might give someone else attention in the lunchroom and totally ignore you. And meanwhile, text you or, you know, email you and say, oh my God, you look so beautiful today. I completely forgot to tell you. Meanwhile, completely ignoring you. They're just saying something that you need to hear. Mm-hmm. The reason mm-hmm. I say that you happen to a narcissist is because you're the one who allows them to thrive. You let them into your life. If you asserted boundaries and set those limits for them, they wouldn't be able to do it. But the problem is that by the time you realize someone's a narcissist, it's too late. You've relied yeah. on them too much, you know? Well, especially if it's in your workplace, right? Like you naturally do rely on your boss. You might naturally rely on a coworker. So I could see these lines becoming even more blurred for the person who is maybe working with a narcissist because it's not just in your head that you rely on them. You, you know, a boss and a coworker, you might actually do that with. So you talked about some tips with dealing with a narcissist at work. And the first one was setting boundaries. So let's elaborate a little bit on that. I mean, we get this tip a lot for a whole variety of things. So it's like the lesson I always take away from this is like, Hey, boundaries are important for a whole lot of reasons. So if you can do this, you probably check a lot of boxes. So can you talk a little bit more about how to set these realistic boundaries with a narcissist? What like specifically in the workplace, what would you do? So let's say a narcissistic boss starts out by, you know, giving you their sob story about, oh my God, you know, I, I'm so busy. My my children are eating up all my time. And, you know, I work till six o'clock. I totally forgot to bring up pick up my dry cleaning. Can you run out during your lunch break? Can you do this for me? And but you might feel obligated because this person's your boss, but they're not really using their stature as a supervisor. What they're doing is using their personal life to kind of tell you that you should do something for them because they're having a hard time. Meanwhile, you're like, well, I've got my own problems, you know, just because someone doesn't have children, just just because someone doesn't have a pet, just because someone decided to leave at five doesn't mean they don't have a right to their own life. They have zero reason or obligation to run out and pick up your dry cleaning. But there are probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast and go, yeah, that's happened to me. Or yeah, I've had to go get lunch or even, a, a you know, can you run to Starbucks and get me a coffee? No, you don't have to do that. That is, unless that is specifically part of your job description, you don't have to be someone's, you know, errand boy or errand girl. You don't have to do that stuff. And I find that in the workplace, a lot of people who come to me with burnout, more often than not end up telling me about a coworker someone usually in some level of power, but it doesn't have to be someone who's in power. It could be literally a lateral coworker who's been doing this to them. And I go, well, you've been letting it happen, you know, but they're afraid that now they're like seen as a twosome. And if they have a falling out, then it'll be embarrassing for them in front of other colleagues. And, you know, it'll be uncomfortable to go to lunch or work meetups or what have you. And I think there were people who told me that during the Zoom era, I think more and more and more people are going back to work. So I guess it's it's not necessarily a thing of the past, but more more people are in the office. They were grateful for it because it gave them some distance. And I tell them, well, what you have to do is figure out a way to maintain some of that distance in real life. You know, say no, politely say no. You know, I actually would like to, I, I promised my mom I'd get on a phone call with her or, you know what, I really value my downtime. I'd like to just sit out in the sun and and get, you know, I want to be able to deescalate. I also had a difficult day. I'm really sorry. I hope you can get it after work today or maybe late to work tomorrow, but I can't do it. And you don't have to give them these excuses or problem. That's not your job. But more often than not, I think people have a really difficult time saying no. Mm -hmm. People forget that no is a full sentence with a period at the end of it. 
Uh, but if you feel forced or, or obligated to provide an excuse, have it be genuine and real. You know, if you feel you can do that, don't make up things. You don't owe anyone that. And if you feel continued to be emotionally harassed by someone who's not taking a hint, you can maybe talk to the collective supervisor and say, I would like myself assigned to someone else. I'd like to put some distance between me and this person. I'd like to have, you know, different cubicle and people don't want to create trouble at work and they don't want to be the, you know, the squeaky wheel. So I get that. But sometimes it's a lot easier down the road if you just went to HR or not even go as far as HR, but just take the next step of putting some professional distance between yourself and this person. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's one of your other tips, which is don't react, but instead communicate. So to your point, going to them and saying like, look, you, you know, I know we text all the time on Saturdays and Sundays, but I'm really trying to create a healthy distance between me and work on Saturdays and Sunday, right? Like, so instead of reacting, communicate, can you elaborate a little bit more on that tip? Yeah. I mean, that probably should apply to every aspect of your life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all learn to do that all the time, even myself included. You know, it's like, just like dentists don't have perfect teeth. Psychologists are not perfect in any way. You know, we all have to continually practice that if you just learn to communicate in a succinct, respectful manner, you could probably avoid so much heartache in so, on so many levels. The problem is that we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to incite conflict. And, you know, we, we say things and we put, do narcissists like that too? Like, do they like, if you react versus communicate, do they want some dramatic situation? Yeah. Narcissists are the people who stand on the side with their arms folded, not losing it. You know, meanwhile, the other person looks like a crazed maniac screaming and, and yelling and cursing because they're always in control. That is their superpower, you know? And if mm-hmm. you learn that control, you're golden, right? But again, easier said than done. But so if you communicate and you communicate early on, you know, if you feel that, you know, you're not the best at verbal communication, maybe write them a text, write it in your notes, review it, sit on it, see if you can make it shortened and to the point. Try avoiding using words like, because what people will do is use buts and howevers and if and ums, make it succinct to the point Remember that you don't owe this person anything but the job that you're doing. And if you can say to them, look, I'd like you in a text message or an email, not only is it it documented, which is what I prefer when it comes to work for sure, you can also avoid the unknown factor of what they might say or the power or the control they have over you. You know, once you're out there and if they text you back, you do not have to respond right away. You can take your time, think about what you want to say, and then mm-hmm. you know, or text them back. Yeah, these are such simple rules, but people don't always remember that. You know, when narcissists gain power over you, they, you know, when they say jump, you say, well, how high? And that's the problem. And you have to learn to first convince yourself that this person is not as important as you think they are, that the, your only connection is work. If you should even minimize that if you, if you could. But if you, you, there should be a way for you to do your job without letting your personal life get entangled in it. And if you say to them, you know, I would like to have some boundaries after work, say, listen, I I really, you know, like you enjoy your company, but I am really trying to achieve a better work-life balance. You know, I'd like to spend time doing things that I like with people in my personal life. And it's hard to do when I get distracted or if I feel like if you text me, I I immediately feel like I should be focused on work. Or, you know, if you're going through something personally, you know, we can always discuss it during lunch or, you know, at work. But I really have to ask you 
to please respect that I mm-hmm. would have some downtime that is not connected to work. The other thing that you can do is, you know, put that person on, I don't know, do not disturb or, you know, silence their notifications when you leave work. And mm-hmm. guess what? That makes it a lot easier. Sometimes silence speaks volumes, you know, actions speak volumes, speaks volumes. So if you continually don't respond to someone because they're silenced and you don't even see their notification until you go back to work and you say, hey, yeah, sorry, you know, I, I, I silence my notifications while I'm home because I'm really just trying to enjoy my life. They'll get the message eventually. You know, narcissists, they thrive off of your attention. When they stop getting it, they'll move on and find someone else. I'm thinking about, though, there is a situation where if your boss is a narcissist and you do that too quickly, like, could there be repercussions, right? Like all of a sudden they used to get your attention and they had some control. When you start to take that away from them, could they react? I mean, that's obviously a whole like other workplace situation. And so probably pretty good to document this stuff, right? So that if that does happen, you you have quote unquote proof that you can show somebody. I guess if we could put this almost into like a checklist, would you say for an employee, it's like step number one, is this narcissism behavior or is it just sort of to your point, like a person who's a perfectionist or someone who has like really high standards. Mm -hmm. And then step two, kind of recognizing, okay, is the filter that this person is trying to have that control and attention mostly when it comes to personal, not work related things, right? Yeah. I think what people can say, you know, if they really want to word something, say, you know, again, it doesn't have to be a big speech. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a full dialogue that you prepare, but you go a monologue you prepare, but you go, look, I truly respect how dedicated you are. I I respect your work style. I'm I'm learning a lot from you and I hope to continue learning from you. But just so you know, I silence my notifications because, you know, I, and this way you're not attacking them, right? You're saying, I really would like to have time to myself and unwind, take care of things around the house or, you know, whatever I like to do. And so if you text me after hours, I may not respond to you till I come in and see you the next day at work or on Monday. Mm -hmm. So I hope you understand, you know, and that's it. Yeah. I was just thinking, what are the things you should not do to a narcissist? So you said like, you know, you're not confronting them. What, what are some other behaviors that like really do not work well with narcissists? I mean, I don't think anybody loves being confronted. So maybe that's like a universal trait, but anything else you can think of that are like, in the do's and don'ts, you know, like this is a major don't when it comes to dealing with a narcissist. Yeah, I think I think they don't like to be called out on their behavior and which is why the actions or those boundaries work better because you're never going to convince a narcissist that there is something wrong with them. Right. I mean, that's part of the right. problem. I think the other don'ts are oversharing, oversharing your own life and indulging in theirs. You know, when they want to share something, say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I hate to cut this short, but I got to run. I have a meeting. Uh, you know, I'd really like to go for this walk during my lunch hour. So I got to go. And if they offer to go with you, say, no, I really, you know, I'm, I'm going to make some calls because sometimes they either won't take a hint or they'll they'll turn it off where they'll give you the silent treatment and make you feel really bad. And the best thing to do is to ignore them and just go about your business. And when they come around, keep them at an arm's length and keep it professional. Again, like I said, if someone is a narcissist, chances are you're not the first person they've done it to. And chances are you've let them in far enough that they can do it to you. And so redrawing those boundaries is going to take a lot of conviction and sort of persistence on your part. They will make it easy. 
Yeah. And your last tip that you had shared with me was be compassionate. And I'm assuming that's be compassionate to yourself because this is, it is, you point out, it takes kind of this dedicated effort and you have to be consistent with it. And it's not your fault that you quote unquote fell victim to, you know, their charisma. This is, that's their goal and it's all fixable, right? So you, if that coworker, that boss, like I liked something you said earlier, which is like, you're giving them so much power and, and making it seem like you can't do your work without them. It's also sort of like be compassionate and also show yourself that you've got the confidence and the competency to do something without them too. Right. That's a very good point because, you know, sometimes when we let someone take advantage of us, we have to also question, why are we doing that? What are they doing for us? You know, what part of us are they feeding? Is this person sticking up for you in meetings because you're always running behind schedule and they, they make you feel like you owe them something? Is this person, you know, kind of letting you slide on, you know, taking a longer lunch break? Is this person doing you favors? Well, you know, you might have to give some of that up if you want to draw some boundaries because they know that this comes at a price, at a cost for you. So if you're going to put some boundaries down for a narcissist, also be prepared to back up your own work. Also be prepared to have more ethical integrity in your performance so this person can't say, well, I do this, this, and suddenly all your flaws will come yeah. out. You know, if this person right. wants to go after you, suddenly they'll point out all the things they've let you slide on. So that is definitely the downside, or, or maybe not the downside, it'll make you a better employee or a better worker or, you know, what have you. But I think it's important to know that, you know, nothing ever, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So if someone is taking yeah. <laughs> you're also letting them do something for you. And Last but not least, when we talk about self-compassion, you know, if you are having problems with someone at work who might be taking advantage of you, there's a good chance that you're also letting people do that in your personal life. And so this isn't something you're just correcting at work. If you invest in yourself, if you're going to be compassionate to yourself in real life, there are people who are not going to like that. There are people who are going to resent you for it. And when those relationships start to get strained, that's probably a sign that those are the relationships that were benefiting from you not being too self-compassionate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, it's such a cycle, but this is all very important work. And I, I think we're talking about a really important topic. Where can people learn more about you or follow up with your work? If they, if they want to get deeper into this, share all the links with us. Well, the first thing is how I usually find out what I'm doing is when I Google my name and I set a time returns, I've done like, like tons of articles and newspaper things and, and podcasts and interviews. So if you Google me, you can find a lot of my writings and my musings. And um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Sanam Hafiz, one word, D-R-S-A-N-A-M-H-A-F-E-E-Z and my website, comprehendthemind.com. Amazing. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And Dr. Sanam, thank you so much for sharing with us today and giving us a little clinical 101 of narcissism. I think this was very valuable. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contested Podcast. Please remember to rate and review our show and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I know everyone asks, but they really do help our show get recommended to new listeners when you do leave those reviews. So we're so appreciative. And I put all the links in the show notes as well. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.